This is Liz Booker with a literary aviatrix waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation. This one is from season one, episode 31 in my interview with general aviation enthusiast and pilot Erin Seidemann about her book, Postcards from the Sky, Adventures of an Aviatrix. In it, she talks about how being a young woman in her 20s who owned an aircraft made her relatively popular with the fellas. And she writes about some of the fun aspects of that in her book. We also talk about some of the not-so-pleasant surprises we each discovered in aviation. I've been fortunate in my general aviation experience so far not to encounter any negative attitudes about women in aviation. Of course, I'm walking in with my commercial license, more flight time than my instructors, and some fairly challenging flight operations in my resume. So if they do have those attitudes, they haven't conveyed them to me. But it's still happening. Over the past couple of years, I've had young women approach me with some truly horrendous and very recent experiences of discrimination and harassment that made them take a step back and reconsider whether they even wanted to continue in aviation if this is the culture. My own daughter lost interest in the Civil Air Patrol at the age of 11 when the teenage boys made inappropriate comments on one of their field trips that no one policed. The FAA's 2022 Women in Aviation Advisory Report cites aviation culture as one of the most significant barriers to attracting and retaining women and asserts that culture starts with leadership. When they say leadership, they don't just mean the CEO of United or American Airlines. It's the local flight school owner down to the CFI and everyone in between. In the military, we're fond of saying the standard that you walk by is the standard that you set. Everyone in our community needs to be a conscientious leader to be informed that these issues exist, to recognize them when they're happening, to ask the right questions of people they hire and of female or minority students that they see struggling, and to take action. Reading our stories is one way to educate yourself on what those scenarios look like, the impact they have, and perhaps come up with some strategies to prevent or deal with them. There is so much good in aviation culture and such a high demand for qualified pilots in the industry. There is no reason we should still be losing people because we can't get our hangar in order. Set the standard. So this book really it has two storylines to it. It it has the the aviation part, and as you mentioned, you said you called it relationship blog. I call it kiss and tell. Why did you choose to include that part in your book? So, you know, I, I do feel like as a woman in aviation, because that is, so we all know that that's rare. It's, you know, give or take about 5% of licensed pilots are women. Um, and especially I was in my 20, I'm 41 now. Okay. So a bit of, a bit different. You can see all the, the gray hair. Um, but I was, I was in my twenties and I was single and you have very different experiences as a young woman in aviation, especially as an airplane owner too. Once a guy would find out that I owned the airplane, uh, you know, things, things got interesting, but you know, <laughs> I, I think that, um, that the story is, is a bit incomplete if you try to tell it as a woman in aviation and there aren't relationships involved. If, you know, if you're single, if you're married, okay, that's different. But, um, you know, it's, it really is inevitable that you're going to run into guys who want to date you or guys who think you shouldn't be in aviation, unfortunately. And, 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 you know, I think as women, we need to let other women know who are just getting into it that yes, unfortunately some of this still exists, 
Um, the fun does definitely outweigh the bad things. And that, you know, that's why we're all still in it. We wouldn't still be in it if the bad outweighed the good. Um, but it, it is fortunately or unfortunately a very realistic part of aviation as a woman. You talked about the some of the um, sort of negative attitudes that you got from guys in civil aviation. I was shocked by that, to be honest with you. Um, I was someone who wanted to be a pilot since I was five. I had parents who encouraged me. I never encountered anyone who even thought twice about me wanting to do that. They just, you know, there was just no indication that it was a thing until I got to flight school. And uh, I was super surprised when I got on the social media um, groups like female aviators sticking together and lady aviators. And I started seeing all these stories, not just in the airlines, but in civilian aviation where people are being like stupid. I mean, it's just shocking to me that that still happens. Like, and then when I was reading it in your book, I was like, really? Yeah. I mean, 21st century people, let, let's catch up here. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're, we're still dealing with a lot of the same problems that, that Amelia Earhart did and, and the, literally the first women in aviation. Why? A hundred years later. A hundred years later. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I, like you, I grew up in a household where I was never taught that there were some things for guys and some things for girls. If you wanted to do it, you did it. And um, unfortunately, when I was a student pilot, I did not know about the 99s and women in aviation. So I didn't have those resources. And that's another reason that I have a list of resources in the book, because if that's the first thing that a woman reading this sees about it and, and that makes her say, OK, there, there are these support groups for me and, and maybe that'll push her over the edge to get into aviation, I will be completely happy because I wish I had those when I was a student pilot, because unfortunately, I encountered that negativity literally right off the bat, uh, one of my first lessons, which I talk about in the book. And it was such a shock to me coming from a household where I, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, you know, I didn't know if it was maybe something about San Francisco, you know, it was a very different place that I was living in um, from where I grew up in New Orleans. I, I really had no idea what to make of it. And that's why I didn't have any response to it at the time, I was just in such shock. And and still, like, when I think about it still, I, I still feel that shock. Like, are you kidding me? What did he just say? And then just not knowing how, how to process it or how to react to it. Yeah, for me, it was a huge distraction. Um, you know, it's like... <laughs> Like, don't, don't fly like a girl or you know, just like stupid, stupid things um, that people say to you. And it continues. And what I do love are these support groups and, um, and the social media. I, I got to be honest with you. I think it's fabulous. The, I mean, all of the things that were happening to me and I had no one who related to them or not, not too many people that I had available to me to talk to about it. You know, now you can just go online and say, hey. This jerk said this stupid thing to me and all the ladies will chime in, you know, and give you some encouragement and maybe give you ideas on how to handle it. And so I love that. It's a it's a whole different world now. 